What is up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines, episode number 30. This podcast is presented by Front Office Sports with episodes, episode number 30, and all the ones before it, brought to you by Hoomst, Amara Baptist. Team Infographic. They're providing you with 30, I mean... <laughs> 30. They are 30 episodes. Listen, I'm just thinking about how I'm going to be 30 next year, and I'm freaking out. Okay, let's get back to Team Infographic and how awesome they are. And you should follow them on the internet at Team Infographs on Twitter or TeamInfographics.com. They put out fire graphics all the time. Check them out. They're great. Um, So today's episode featured Sandro Gasparo from the Clippers. Uh, director of social media at the Clippers, formerly with the Sixers, also at IMG in the past, all over the place. Great dude. Uh, if you've seen anything the Clippers have been putting out lately, he's in running that social team over there and doing it well. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, Amara Baptist, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about schedule releases. We hit on the Clippers one during the podcast, but talk a little bit about schedule release, how your guys has went. Um, in general, some of the ones that stuck out, I have a few that jumped to mind. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I think schedule release has kind of been one of those off season moments that teams, um, really want to capitalize on one because it's the off season and there's not much going on and you want to get your engagement up, et cetera, et cetera. And also it's just a fun way for teams to engage with fans. So we actually, this year, um, last year we did Oregon Trail. And this year, we had pretty big plans to do this extravagant video. And um, as things happen in sports, um, it fell through. And we actually decided to do um, a puppy, small animal, kitten video, which did fantastic because it was our players playing with kittens and puppies. And there's a dunking otter. Yeah, there's a dunking otter. May he rest in otter heaven. Um, and some llamas in there. And yeah, I think it was just one of those things where, um, you got to make the best of the situation and we still wanted to have a fun, creative video and that's where it landed. So, um, a couple of ones that stuck out to me, uh, Atlanta's was incredible. Yeah. And they that was did an Atlanta parody and it was still, it was super, um, creative. I honestly, missed most of the references i was like trying to figure out which teams and and what the subliminal messages were i thought it was really well done um and the pacers netflix spoof was good i love the pacers one i liked it a lot um and then i thought the lakers was interesting um i don't know did you see the lakers i saw the lakers first tweet i didn't see what specific one are you talking to about so I had noticed that like a couple of their players and like Snoop Dogg and a couple of LA uh, big figures tweeted right away about um, like, oh, can't wait for, you know, whatever the start date. And I was like, that's kind of weird. You know, you don't usually get that many people to comment, but they were seated. And then a video came out from Delta, sponsored by Delta, um, with all those tweets in there. So it was like the players and Snoop Dogg were, the tweets had been seated and then they just like, use the video after it was interesting it. and it yeah it was cool i liked it um 
What about you? Um, yeah, I really, really like the Pacers. I thought the Nets concept was was mm-hmm. cool and interesting. Um, there was a lot of good ones in general. I like the Jazz a lot. Oh yeah, that was good. Um, the Kings did the NBA on NBC, which that is was classic. Fun. Um, for us, we we had it kind of planned for a while. Our uh, my boss actually, Eric, he had um, the idea alongside some other folks. Um, we came together in a meeting probably like a month and a half before and ideated a bunch of different concepts. There was probably like 10 still on the table. And we kind of decided from that meeting that gender reveal would be fun, given that yeah. that's grown in popularity a bunch. So our motion animation team um, did a great job, you know, making it look pretty realistic and editing those videos uh, pretty well and then adding some music to it. So it was fun, relatively simple and easy to produce. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget as social people who are like in it day to day that sometimes simple things actually make a bigger impact. Obviously, if you have the resources and time to do an amazing, you know, video like the Hawk, which probably took months (laughs) to, to get all that together. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it was really cool seeing all of our colleagues and, and what they did. Indeed. That being said, uh, the MLB came out with some as well, and I wanted to shout out the Phillies, who I thought did a really good job with theirs. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but it was like mm-hmm. Tinder-esque, which I know has been done before, but they did it really well. I think it was Tinder. Um, they just did like a bunch of matches, and they had like witty... Um, descriptions for each team which i thought was pretty cool um they did a good job but yeah besides that i feel like uh we haven't talked in a while so is there any any other topics you want to hit miss baptist hmm well damien lillard's album came out it's pretty (laughs) awesome so we should all just go listen to that big dollar sponsor us dame dollar yeah, yo, Dame, let's get a little beat and sponsor us. We've I'll been talking about freestyling and rap for forever. I'll do a four bar right now. I will drop. Do it. Four, no, I mean, no, he has to sponsor us, and then I'll do it. Swear to God, I'll do it. We have an exciting yeah, episode let's ahead. Do it. Uh, let's get to it. What is up, y'all? Social on the sideline. As per usual, joined by my co host and a guest. This time, it's director of social media for the Los Angeles Clippers, Alessandro Gasparo. What's up, Alessandro? <laughs> How's it going, guys? Very nice job rolling the R's there, Shabazz. You, I had the pressure put on me, but I thrive under pressure. So. <laughs> thanks for uh, joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So first things off the bat, uh, for those who don't know, Sandro is part of the Sixers West digital team, as I like to call. <laughs> um, but he does great work. Um, if you've seen anything from the Clippers over the past few months as Kawhi and PG, he's probably been a part of it uh, when it comes to social and digital content, but he's had quite the journey to get there. Uh, so you went from the Sixers to uh, IMG to Endeavor and then over the Clippers over to the Clippers. Tell us a little bit about that journey. And if I'm missing anything, feel free to fill in the blanks. Yeah, totally. So I guess I'll start kind of from the beginning. So I actually got my 
you know, my first job out of college um, was with the University of Michigan Athletic Department. And that was more like a general kind of marketing coordinator role uh, focused on, you know, event marketing for wrestling, softball, track and field, like other Olympic sports. Um, Not really digitally focused at all, but I was kind of uh, intrigued by the space. Michigan actually had a director of digital at the time, which is pretty rare. It's like 2012. Um, And I just asked him one day if I could kind of like shadow him and learn from him because I didn't really see much of a future in what I was really doing at at that point. Um, And he was just gracious enough to like let me learn from him um, and kind of sit in on meetings, get an understanding for how they approach things, which obviously was much different in like 2012 than it is now, um, and kind of start to own different projects in that space. So going from like the Michigan basketball Twitter account to football to launching like our Vine presence, RIP. all these different things. But so at Michigan, though, I was doing a handful of different things from that marketing coordinator role to some sponsorship stuff to digital. Um, and it just kind of got to the point where I wanted to focus on, you know, I, I felt like at the time I had a knack for social and I wanted to focus on that um, and, and kind of see where it took me. So the Sixers had posted a social coordinator job heading into the 2014 season and I applied for it and I was lucky enough to get it. And, um, so I did a season there in Philly. Obviously, we had a ton of fun working with another like NBA social OG and, and Max Rappaport. Um, I think we we did a lot of good work there in spite of, you know, the circumstances on the court, the process, uh, which was a lot of fun. But obviously, it's a lot harder when you only win 18 games in a year. But the Sixers have an awesome fan base and a really they had a really clear vision for the organization. So that made the job pretty easy. Um, so I was there for about a year. And then I was kind of feeling an itch to move to New York um, and try something different. I uh, didn't quite feel like I was learning enough of the Sixers. So I made my way to uh, IMG uh, working on their like kind of newly formed digital team at the time. Um, uh, you know, we were focused on everything from uh, mostly event marketing, but I was working in a lot of sports. So Miami open tennis tournament, um, Euroleague basketball, which is a ton of fun to like, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, just watch like Luka Doncic play um, in the office. <laughs> like that would be just my job for like s- six months at a time. Uh, professional bull riding, which is pretty weird, uh, but a lot of fun <laughs> in its own right. Um, and then even just exposure to some of the other events like and IMG, in which actually is also part of Endeavor. It's just this massive entertainment um, agency conglomerate, whatever you want to call it. So just being exposed to a lot of different things was really, really cool. Um, and then from there, I, you know, I was there for about three years and I definitely started to feel kind of an itch to come back to the, to the NBA. You know, I really missed basketball and I really missed just like the excitement around being with the team. Um, and the Clippers kind of came calling just at, I guess, kind of the right time, a little over a year ago, about like late May of last year. Um, and that kind of hit, kicked off the whole recruiting process. And then I found out they're, you know, hiring Charlie too. Uh, which is really exciting. Um, the opportunity to work with somebody who I have a ton of respect for. Um, and yeah, I started just over a year ago, like August 1st, 2019, 2018 was my first day. So I think we've done a lot in a year, but we've got a lot more we can really do. And that's kind of what's so exciting to me. Definitely. For sure. Um, yeah. So obviously, since you've seen both the MBA side of things and the agency side, can you tell our listeners um, what was different working at an agency other than obviously like 
not watching basketball every day, but kind of the day-to-day stuff (laughs) and the overall strategy working for an agency versus the NBA. Totally. So, I mean, when I was with the Sixers, um, I was, you know, 24 years old and I didn't really have that much of a strategic lens um, on things. And, you know, it's the NBA, especially in season. It's just a go, go, go all the time. Like, what are the small things? What are the small tweaks you can make? What are the things we could test each night? But you don't really get a chance to really take a step back um, too often in season and and kind of think about your approach really deeply and think about the different things you can be doing um, and things you can be learning from your approach in real time. Um, You know, Endeavor really gave me an opportunity to kind of develop that my voice in that in that sense and my point of view in that sense. Um, you know, going from a game every other night to a one or two big projects every quarter, right? Like for the Miami Open, for example, that was in March every year. Um, we would start that process of planning in like December or January, build out a content plan, hire the crew, do the stuff we needed to do, uh, and then go execute it on site. Um, and then report back after, right? And see what works, see what didn't work and how we can learn for next year. Um, that really helped me kind of, again, develop that strategic point of view and strategic voice. Um, as I kind of now come back to the NBA where like we can, and our team is bigger and a lot more sophisticated than it was at the Sixers, like where we have this opportunity, like me, Charlie, Kurt, everybody can kind of take a step back and, and be a little bit smarter about what we're doing because, and I really think that that experience at Endeavor really helped me, um, kind of find that ability, uh, without it, I don't think. Like if I had just stayed in the league for four years, I don't think I would have, I would have developed that skill. That makes sense. Um, so a little bit of a follow-up uh, to, to Amara's question, but different. Based on your experience that you had with the Sixers, and I, I know that it's very early in, in your tenure at the Clippers, but what are some differences in terms of organizational philosophy? I know some of the team is the same um, in terms of the digital team, but in terms of how you guys are approaching things in the with the Clippers and the Sixers, given the different fan bases, the different team, um, and just different goals. Talk a little bit about that. Totally. Yeah. So with the Sixers, like I would say being an entry level employee at the time, like we didn't really have, our team didn't really have that much uh, input as far as like the strategy in the, like the larger organizational strategy. So social was like pretty siloed. Um, and we kind of just did our own thing. And obviously that let us be really creative, but we were never really like laddering back to larger goals um, other than just like general, you know, like keeping our fans excited and engaged through uh, kind of some dark times on the court. Um, and, you know, the focus was really just like the growth of the roster, guys like Nolan Samuel, guys like Joel Embiid, guys like, uh, you know, even like KJ McDaniels and Tony Roden at the time, like and how they're, they were progressing or like obviously a current Timberwolf, uh, Robert Covington um, as well. Um, but it was really just like trying to mine for those stories to kind of keep fans engaged throughout the year. But there wasn't much of a focus on like the larger or, like organizational goals. Like my, I almost felt like my boss was the fans at the Sixers more than anything else. Like I was like, everything I wanted to do at the time was like to impress them. Um, and, and to go back to Endeavor real quick, like another thing that Endeavor really helped kind of frame, like because they were an event based business, like ticket sales and sponsorship were so important. So everything we did there was through that, with that kind of in mind. And that really helps as we come to the Clippers. Like with the Clippers now, you know, we're kind of serving, you know, if I say that the Sixers I'm serving, we'll serve kind of serving one master and that's the fans. Like 
with the Sixers, with the Clippers, I'm thinking about like three different ones, right? So I'm thinking about our leaders within the organization. So that's like Steve Ballmer, uh, Lawrence Frank, Doc Rivers, Jerry West, Michael Winger. Um, I'm thinking about our players with everything. And then I'm also thinking about our fans, but balancing those three. And a lot of the time, there's plenty of overlap in the kinds of things that we want to do. But understanding that there's like a bigger picture uh, than just like our mentions on Twitter. Um, and then also understanding that like we can be really, you know, while at the Sixers, there was a lot of throwing against stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. There's plenty of that here, but like we can be a lot more analytical. The team is just a lot more sophisticated. We have more tools that can really look at content, whether it be like CrowdSangle or TrackMaven. Um, so we can just be a lot smarter rather than kind of going off our guts and what we're seeing. Um, and in general, just be a lot more purposeful. And then obviously we didn't really dip too heavily into it this season, but next season, a huge focus for us is going to be uh, sponsorship and uh, ticket sales through social, right? Like developing digital franchises that we can easily sell. And then also obviously leveraging our content. We did a little bit, but leveraging even more of our content to, to sell single game tickets and generate leads. For sure. That makes sense. So kind of talking about, you know, the Clippers team now, and by team, I mean the digital team. Um, can you kind of break down uh, who all's on your team and uh, what their responsibilities are? And then the second part of that is, I think it's so amazing that you got so much buy-in from the organization to build such a robust and talented team. So talk a little bit about that. Um, if those were real questions. <laughs> so our team, um, yeah, I guess I'll start with the team portion. So Charlie widows is our executive director of content. Um, he was kind of the first to come along uh, as the Clippers last season revamped their content team. Um, he oversees our production team, which includes video and photo, and then our social team uh, that, that I oversee. So then I oversee our social team um, and our publishing strategy. And I work really closely with Charlie on like branded content, um, working with the paid media team to get our, our leverage our content for, for ticket sales and stuff like that. Um, and then just our overall like editorial calendar. Uh, then we have Tommy Zweibel, um, who is our director of production. Um, he comes from the Knicks, actually also worked with Charlie <laughs> in the past. Um, but he oversees like our features unit, quote unquote, like, um, video photo. But like, if you've seen some of those like long form features we've done throughout this season, we did three pieces last year, one on Tobias Harris, one on Danilo Gallinari and one on Lou Williams. He and Charlie really spearheaded those. Um, then underneath Tommy, we also have Andre Robinson who, um, joined us from Ohio state. He's like our, one of our lead video editors and our really our lead like social video editor. And his stuff is just like absolute fire. Um, to go back to, and Andre's kind of a bridge between the features unit and the social scene. Um, then to go back to the social team, obviously Kurt, uh, guys recently joined us from the Sixers and he's really overseeing like our day to day content now and our, and our, and our voice as I can kind of take a step back into a more strategic role. Um, and again, also focusing on like branded content and stuff like that. Um, Kurt, you know, we, Charlie and I and Kurt all kind of set the framework, but it's really on like Kurt and the social team now to, um, really execute against that and, you know, do all the, the, the nitty gritty work that really makes it come to life. Um, we also have on the social team, uh, Paula Hughes, uh, who is, uh, profiled recently in, a, in complex, but she's like this, like she, her role is social producer, but she does really like everything from like graphic design to publishing to analytics. Um, she's really like a Swiss army knife and is, and does some really awesome, awesome work, especially in the design space. Um, and then we have two full-time interns, 
uh, Travis Redder, who does like literally anything we throw at him. He's incredible. And then Tom Garbett, who's like our photo video intern. And he takes like our walk-ins, does a lot of media management, just a lot of the, the behind the scenes work that's really, that's really important. Um, and then the last person I'll mention, Garbo Wu, who oversees our Weibo presence and our, and our presence in China, which is really important for us. Um, but yeah, no, we, have, I consider ourselves like incredibly fortunate, um, to have such a skilled group. Um, also a lot of different perspectives, everybody really talented, everybody like just an absolute grinder, which I think is really important. Um, obviously in social and obviously in the NBA. Um, but yeah, as far as like getting buy-in, like. I think I really give a lot of credit to the Clippers for recognizing um, that they really needed to be serious about investing in the space. Like they kind of realized that last season, um, I guess two seasons ago now, the team had kind of bottomed out for like, they just didn't really have a strategic approach to social. The voice didn't really match the the characteristics of the organization. And, And at the same time, the organization was kind of finding itself as well. It kind of post lob city. Um, and, but they recognized that if they wanted to do this right, um, they were going to need to invest. And so, you know, when they called me back at the end of May, I was even kind of skeptical just because like, I was like, Oh, it's, you know, another team just saying like, Oh, we'll hire like one social person and like call it a day. Um, but you know, once I kind of got to talking with them and, and I understood that they, that they really took this seriously and saw this is a huge opportunity to kind of tell our story. Um, especially with the direction that the organization was going at the time. And I guess like has kind of started to come to fruition now in, in, in acquiring these superstars and hopefully, you know, the Larry O'Brien is next. Um, but yeah, like we, we basically, you know, Chris Wallace, who's our head of communications kind of set the vision. Um, and it, we've been able to hire against it. Right. So like every, pretty much everybody I mentioned, actually every, every single person I mentioned previously, um, before is, uh, new except Travis. Travis is our one mainstay, um, on the content team. He was an intern right before, uh, we all kind of started. Uh, but literally all those other names are, are new bodies. And so it's just a, they just completely hit the reset button. Um, but again, they recognize the value. They recognize that we can help drive revenue. They recognize the importance of telling our story. Um, and if, in a way, I think few organizations do. And I just consider myself like extremely lucky to be a part of this team. Got it. That is a super robust team. And it obviously shows in the work that you guys do. But uh, congrats on building something that I think all of us are a little bit envious of, but also super respected and uh, really excited about what you guys are going to continue to do uh, throughout the season. That being said, you mentioned sponsorship and revenue being a little bit more of uh, a focus going into this year. Um, Coming from someone who I think when I first got into the industry, you know, much like some of the things I think you were alluding to, it it never really crossed my mind. And now I would say it's 50 to 60% of my position is, is trying to generate um, some of those ideas for sponsorable assets and, and campaigns and whatnot for the people who don't necessarily think of that side of digital and social Talk a little bit about your philosophy there um, and and the team's focus when it comes to sponsorable assets, because I, I do think there's a thin line uh, when, when it comes to social and digital content and not overtly or, or going overboard yeah. with the sponsored content, making sure it's stuff that is very engaging first and foremost, and then working backwards to find a, a partner that um, you know makes 
sense for the content that you're outputting, but talk a, a little bit about that marriage, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, again, when I, yeah, like, I was kind of like, when I was at the Sixers, that didn't cross my mind at all. And I mostly saw sponsorship as a nuance, uh, as a nuisance, right? And, you know, probably lacking vision at the time. Um, but yeah, here it's like, it is a very fine line and we want to be extremely strategic about um, the sponsored content that we produce and that we spend time on. And, you know, we're baked into a lot of existing deals. So there's a lot of things that we just have to execute against. But even within those, it's like, how do we frame these in the best possible way for our audience and, and making sure that this stuff resonates with them? Um, and also, like, uh, typically, like what we really when we start like a conversation with either our sponsorship team or a sponsor directly, it starts with their goals, right? And some sponsors just want exposure and social is a great way to do that. Uh, some sponsors don't totally know what they want yet. And they just know they want social, um, which is kind of funny. Um, and then others want maybe more specific things like lead generation or, or other objectives that are more um, refined and detailed. Like, but, that, but knowing the objective really helps us kind of frame what our recommendation might be. And again, a lot of that like might sometimes even just be like a paid campaign, right? Like if the goal is to generate leads in a targeting a specific audience uh, demographic and generate leads, like we're going to recommend a, a, a Facebook spend. Speaking my language. Like an organic yeah. <laughs> and, but even that was like very new internally with the Clippers at the time. Um, so we've started to do a lot more of that uh, this past season. We'll continue to do that. But it's like, and then for the other, like the organic pieces, it's just like, how do we find ways that for this content to align? Like I think of like one good example that we had, you know, last year was like our, um, photo essay series with OGO, um, which is like a, our luggage provider, like our official luggage provider. Um, and we did these like in-depth behind the scenes, uh, photo essays from like different key events throughout the year. We did run right after the trade deadline, kind of like explaining the process of like joining a new team, which is pretty cool. But then we kind of like found, find ways to kind of weave in OGO product, um, throughout the story in a way that doesn't feel too forced. Like if it's like about our equipment team, for example, like prepping the jerseys or transporting uh, stuff after a road trip. Um, so like stuff like that felt a lot more natural than just like slapping a logo on something or like forcing, you know, some kind of strange narrative because of something that um, was sold or, or that a sponsor wanted. So like the more opportunity we have to kind of like flex our creative muscles and work with a sponsor, I think the better the content typically uh, turns out. For sure. I think, um, so you talked a little bit about sponsorships, but as far as your overall digital strategy, do you want to, can you talk through kind of your vision or how the visions change? I think you guys have a really unique situation because in my mind, last year's story was compelling as it was, you know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, I loved the Lou Will underground go things like that. That was so cool. And then now it's like, you got the best player in the world in Mo Harkless. So I'm really excited for you as <laughs> you're going through. But um, can you talk a little bit about your strategy? Just overall. Totally. So, I mean, very excited to welcome Mo to the, to the Clippers, go. by the way. Oh. Um, but, but yeah, like our strategy last year, you know, it was interesting because the team, especially early in the year, was really flying under the radar. Um, and our fans... In general, like our social audience, despite being relatively large, like I think we're in the top half of the league in terms of size, like was very disengaged, right? Again, a lot of them came for Blake Griffin, for DeAndre Jordan, for Chris Paul, for the Lob City era. 
and we're kind of needed a reason to start following, paying attention and really caring about this team again. Um, but, you know, the, our approach really starts from the top of the organization. Um, you know, like, again, Steve, Lawrence, Jerry, Doc, Michael Winger, like kind of set the tone um, for us as far as like how we talk about the team, um, what like quote unquote Clipper DNA is, all this stuff. And, you know, so it really our approach is really just to tell our organizational narrative in a way that we hope excites and entertains our fan base um, and also reflect the personality and characteristics and, and attributes of our, our team, our players um, and their interests and stuff like that through like our tone and the types of content that we produce. And like, you know, to go to last year, being an under the radar team, you know, even though Lou Williams has been in the league for 14 years, nobody, not enough people really knew his story. Um, and that's why we wanted to kind of tell that story. Also, it was a really big opportunity to promote him for the Sixth Man Award. Or even somebody like we did that feature on Gallo last year as well. And, you know, Gallo has been, was, has been in the league for about a decade, flying way under the radar, uh, played at practically an all-star level last year. So we just saw this as an opportunity to bring a lot of those stories uh, to the forefront through our channels. Um, and again, sort like we see ourselves, it's very important for us to promote like the organization, but also our players and help build their brands. Um, so that's, you know, what's a big part of it. And in general, we just want to be a lot like smarter and, and more purposeful about what we were doing. Again, the season prior, there was a lot of content that just didn't really make sense. Like you look at it, it just didn't make sense. So we were just constantly testing and learning, constantly evaluating things, um, throughout the year, um, because we did have pretty ambitious goals from like an engagement standpoint in terms of raising that engagement rate year over year and re-engaging our fan base. Um, but again, it really, again, goes back to just starting at the top and, and, and telling that organizational story that's, that's, that's set by them. For sure. Um, we talked a little bit about it before the, the recording started, but I wanted to get your insight in terms of the schedule release that you did, and then maybe even some opinions on some of the better ones across even NFL, but MLB, the league as well, but specific to the Clippers first and foremost. What went into that awesome comic book-esque um, kind of release that you guys did? Yeah, so, I mean, that really was a lot of uh, Kurt's vision on that one. So Kurt worked with uh, five different illustrators um, to kind of create these different comics and different styles um, to kind of tell the story of the most important games of the season um, or, or our biggest, most notable games of the season. And, you know, we, we saw it as just an opportunity to kind of, because our team is, is, you know, loaded with stars, but also like really deep, we wanted to showcase like the full roster and kind of present them all as like heroes, um, to our fans. And then, you know, it was really cool though. It was like, this is a great example of like our team just working really well together. Like Kurt worked with the, the illustrators to kind of storyboard this and, and produce it, um, and, and get it all ready. But then Paula on our team was the one who actually animated them all. So like, I'm sure you saw like uh, the, the, we actually turned it into a video on Twitter. Like that was all Paula just like darting it around. Like she was like researching like different styles of, uh, of illustrated or animated comic books, which was really cool. Um, and that's what, even on Instagram, the original thought was we were just to do a static carousel with like the, the five different comics. And then we were like, but we love the versions that Paula made so much with the kind of jumping around the screen and highlighting the different moments that uh, we went with like those split up as a carousel as well, which because they, they just made them a lot more dynamic. Um, but yeah, I just think that was an awesome team effort. And again, just like 
I, I think kind of showing our, our creative power for sure. Um, and yeah, across, I thought the league, I feel like in general, the league really stepped up this year. Like I think, you know, the NFL has kind of dominated the like schedule release um, space the last couple of years. And I will say it's definitely easier in the NFL because you're only doing 16 games. <laughs> and for us, the challenge is always like, how many, who do we highlight? How many games do we highlight? We were like, do we highlight instead of games, we highlight just all 29 teams. Um, and the, but then we just kind of went, went down to like the big game approach. Um, but I think in general, like I think a lot of teams did awesome stuff this year, which is really cool to see and really exciting to see this. I like to see us, all of us kind of pushing each other to be better. Agreed. Definitely. Sure. Um, so the last kind of question on, you know, your strategy, if you feel comfortable sharing, mm -hmm. what are like one or two goals for your digital team that you set as the director uh, for this upcoming season? For this upcoming season? Well, I think like, as always, um, continuing uh, to trend upward from an engagement standpoint um, is really important. We also like, we're focusing a lot on uh, growing our audience now, now that we've kind of re-engaged our core audience, um, knowing that we have a much bigger stage. Last year, we had three national TV games. This year, we have 26, for example. Um, we think we'll have a lot of opportunity to, to, to significantly grow our fan base more um, than we have really in the past, maybe since like the beginning of Lob City. Because, you know, I, I look at like Instagram, for example, we grew, you know, a few hundred thousand over the course of the season, but 25% of that came in July, just July alone, um, <laughs> in signing Kawhi and Paul George why. and all that stuff. So, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So we see a really big opportunity there. Um, and then also, again, it's just like continuing to serve our players. Um, we, we work pretty closely with them in terms of just supplying them with photos. And that's something I didn't mention, actually, when talking about our strategy, but I want to touch on like we supply almost our entire roster with like photos and any videos of them that we produce because we see our players as another distribution channel. Um, and also we see as, a, as, as an opportunity to kind of build credibility with them and work closely with them and develop relationships with them. So whatever 2.0 of that is, we're kind of figuring out, but continuing to work really closely with our players and build those relationships is really important. And then again, the third one is just, we don't have a specific number, I'd, I'd say from like a sponsorship or a revenue standpoint, but just working really closely with our sponsorship team on both existing deals and how we, we best per, uh, leverage those on social and then um, new pitches like constantly, like every week there's a new um, sponsor that we're pitching. So, so Charlie and I and Kurt are working really closely uh, to just develop concepts that we can hopefully sell. Um, and then again, just like continuing different, it, 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 we want to just continually test and experiment. So like, for example, we will be on TikTok this year, which I'm very excited about. We will be, uh, we're launching another like offshoot Instagram account. Last year we did at Ralph to celebrate Ralph Waller's uh, 40th and final season with the team this year. We're hopefully launching like a throwback themed account um, to highlight the team's history. Um, it's their 50th season. So luckily we have uh, a relatively big team. So I think we're going to, we've got our work cut out for us a lot, a lot this year. You heard it here first, breaking news. Uh, so one other question that I had for you um, when it comes to your current role and obviously some of the hires that you've made, what do you, one, see as some of the most important skills to have considering how you've grown and how you've seen the industry grow in digital? And two, what do you kind of look for in candidates as you're hiring different roles? Totally. So 
I think it kind of depends, but in general, I'm, I'm looking for people who are, you know, who have a solid foundation, whether that be through experience, you know, there's a lot more, especially in the social space, there's a lot more opportunities now in college to do internships and, and different things and even just do personal accounts, right. And, and personal projects, um, to have exposure in this industry, like that didn't really exist when I was in college. So I'm looking for people who, who have that, but it's not required. Um, in general, like an attitude of just like being willing to roll up their sleeves and, and do the dirty work, like no job is beneath them. Like I, you know, spent my first days in this, just like digging through spreadsheets and analytics and trying to understand what worked and what didn't work. And I kind of want that same kind of attitude on, on, on our team. Um, general, like curiosity is really important. Um, never necessarily, not, not, not being satisfied, but always probing and always wanting to know like what's next is is very important to us um because we don't want to get stuck in the same kind of rut or same kind of strategy over and over again like we want to be constantly iterating and constantly evolving um and in general like i think having a point of view is really important right like i'm not expecting somebody that we're hiring to know all the answers um but to have a perspective on on where the industry is going and the types of things we should be doing like one of the one of the first questions i'm always asking people is like what do they think of our channels. And I generally don't like it if the answer is like, I think they're amazing. Don't change anything. Like I want people to recommend things that we could be doing better, obviously not just willy nilly, but like with a real strategic framework or, or foundation. Um, and then also, I guess it's like knowing there are different tracks, right? Like I think social started, well, quote unquote started, like everything was really voice driven early on. And not to say that voice isn't as important now, it's just one piece of the puzzle. Like um, so knowing that you can come at it from a strategic standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a writing standpoint, like there's a lot of different paths, um, to kind of get into this industry, which is really cool, but I don't, I'm no, you know, back in, in the past, we were looking for like somebody who could do it all. I, we're much more specialist, specialized now, which I think is good. Um, because we can really focus on, on specific skill sets. Cool. Got it. Um, okay. The last question that we have for you is, I guess that was like kind of advice, but if for people trying to get into <laughs> sports or even, uh, people who are in the agency world wanting to get to a team or vice versa, what's some advice that you have for them? Yeah, I, I think in general, like with sports, it's, it's not to sound like too cliche, but it's definitely understanding, especially in the NBA, um, knowing what you're kind of signing up for is really important, especially in social, right? Like we work very long hours um, and we don't have a ton of time off. Um, so you really got to care <laughs> um, and be motivated. Like, obviously we try really hard to make sure that our team has, you know, the time off that it needs, but like we're working long, like in season, we're working every night, we're working long hours. Um, and I think sometimes people who come from, come to it from the outside don't quite realize know that that's what they're signing up for. Like, I think we see that across organizations a lot, like outsiders come in and, um, and, and just don't, they aren't ready for, for quote unquote, like the grind. Um, but also I think having an outside perspective can be really valuable. Um, it's just coming in, understanding that I think, you know, the NBA and sports are kind of their own beast and like being open to, to learning rather than coming in and saying like, this is how we want to do it and not, not understanding, you know, kind of the framework and not understanding kind of the, the, the ins and outs of the industry. Um, and just, you know, it, with social and in general, it's like, it's okay to be wrong. Like I had plenty of things coming in last year um, that we wanted to do that we tried um, in season and failed miserably. 
Um, but the, the benefit of the, of that is of working in the NBA is we can, we have so many games and so many opportunities to get a, a, a win every night. Like if you fail one night, we have a game the next day and we could do something different, which is really cool. But just being kind of, again, like adaptable and not too hard headed, I think is really important as well. For sure. Well, if you have any uh, final words, now's your time. But I feel like uh, <laughs> the advice that you've given has been tremendously helpful. And obviously, we really appreciate you hopping on. Um, thanks so much. And we're looking forward to the history account among all the other work that you guys are about to put out this year. Where can people find you at on your social uh, medias? Oh, yes, of course. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. Um, at Sandro Gasparo, it's mostly me just tweeting about like I have this like weird pasta stick. Yeah, you do. We, we can go. That's a whole other podcast. Al, um, al dente. Enjoy, yeah, ha, keep yeah. Al, hashtag al dente fam. When the pasta is al dente, two very important things to me. Um, <laughs> it's mostly that and Clippers. Um, but if you want to follow, feel free. I prefer that you just follow all the Clippers accounts and engage with everything we post. Though that'd be great. Company um, man out here. Yeah. But yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This was great. Was the was the podcast al dente or? Of course. I unfortunately <laughs> can't tweet that because I was on a podcast last week with one of our beat, the Clippers beat writers, Jovan Pua, and he tweeted that about the Damn interview. It. So like, Go I know on. we got to think, we got to think of something else. We got to uh, use our creativity collectively. To, to I think between the three it. of us, how about we use your 72 men? And woman <laughs> did not to think for passion. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to episode 30 of Social on the Sideline, brought to you by Front Office Sports, with each episode presented by Team Infographics. You can find them online at teaminfographics.com or on Twitter and social media at Team Infographs. Check them out. They do great stuff. They did our cover photo. They do a bunch of sports team stuff. If you don't like them, you don't like us. And it's okay if you don't like us, but you should like them. They're better than us. Big facts. F-A-X. Big facts. I'm not trash. I'm not trying to bash, but my rhymes are cash. You can see my face right now. I need a new cap. What? Did you say I need a new cat? I was about to say that, but you cut me off, so it's too late. And, by the way, I have a bone to pick with you. Because how are you going to do an animal video and not invite Waffles? She hates you now. Where Waffles is in Minnesota. We live in Portland, Oregon. Fly her out, man. You got that influencer right, money. You Look, you getting flown to NBA Finals games. You got 27 million yeah, followers million. Right. on Twitter. Million. million personally you have 27 million have you guys seen amara's twitter she literally gets seven thousand engagements and nba finals tickets for each tweet she sends out and then every portland establishment and even prior memphis establishments just give her free food for everything that she I mean, puts that's out that's not true but that would be super cool if it facts. was facts she's lying she's trying to be humble but anyway she omitted I'm waffles sorry. and i will never let her speak to waffles again. okay well i'll see you in minnesota never approach my and daughter again okay
will claw my face and it'll be great. <laughs> I will tell her to do that exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have a good day, ma'am. <laughs> Sir. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Thanks for listening, everyone.